When you hear the names Saddam Hussein, Idi Amin, Fidel Castro and Pol Pot, I'm guessing your first thought probably isn't food. All were brutal dictators responsible for the death and deprivation of so many people in the nations they ruled. But even a dictator's got to eat. And Polish journalist Witold Szaworski took it upon himself to track down the personal chefs of those dictators, as well as the cook for Albanian strongman Edmund Hodja. The result is a highly original book called How to Feed a Dictator. Witold Szaworski, welcome to Sunday Extra. Hello, Julian, and thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. Vitor, the book is a degustation of five dictators paired with their cooks. Could you tell us about what must just be the most amazing process of trying to find and settle on that menu? Well, it took years of research, and the extreme example of that is the chef of Saddam Hussein, who had been hiding since the American invasion to Iraq. And actually, he was hiding with a fake name, with fake identity. And he didn't dream about some, you know, Polish weird journalist trying to spot all the chefs cooking for dictators. So in this case, it took me three years to find him and uh, another six months to convince him to talk and to, you know, make him feel safe, that he can tell me all the stories from Saddam's kitchen and from Saddam's private life, because the chefs, they knew everything. How did this weird Polish journalist come to be interested in dictators and the chefs who cook for them? (laughs) So the weird Polish journalist was a chef himself in his mid-20s. When I graduated from Warsaw University, I went to Copenhagen and, and I ended up just cooking in a restaurant. And when I came back to Poland and I began my work as a journalist, I kept in mind that it's amazing to be in a professional kitchen because chefs are amazing storytellers. Uh, And then I saw a movie called Cooking History about the chefs in the war zones. And there, in that brilliant movie, for the first time, I saw a a dictator's chef, the chef of Marshal of Yugoslavia, Josip Prostito. And that was like a turning point for me. Then I thought, okay, chefs of dictators have all those components, history, uh, political relations, and food. Great thing to write about. That's how it all started. (laughs) And how right you were. Vitol, could you chart out for us the types of relationships that you discovered between cooks and their dictators? So they are always very close to the family because when you are a personal cook of a dictator, you must be very trusted. And those dictators, they have this natural instinct that a chef, especially personal chef, shouldn't be stressed. (laughs) So they were horrible for all the other people. But it was like the chef of Saddam Hussein. He was living in a luxury, in a golden cage. He knew that Saddam was committing crimes, war crimes, that he was a horrible person. But for him personally, he was like a great uncle giving him tips if the food was good. Indeed. And that leads to one of the many amazing sentences in your book, the sentence that the only good person in the Al-Takriti family was Saddam. That comes from the mouth of his cook. Could you explain that for us? Uh, Yeah, that's the chef's perspective. Uh, The chef told me he was very short-tempered. Sometimes he could shout, but then he would apologize and give him some extra money. So actually the chef, he knew he was safe 
So he knew only the smiling and general's face. He never saw Saddam torturing his political opponents, which Saddam did. He never saw Saddam making decisions about poisoning or killing people, which Saddam did. So the chefs, they know a lot about dictators and about their lives, but I think they know dictators from a bit different perspective than all the other people. On Sunday Extra, we are speaking with Witold Szybowski, who is the author of How to Feed a Dictator. Witold, you write that the country where the world of cooks is most interwoven with the world of politics is Cambodia. Why is that? Yeah, that was a very unique place because of the nature of the Khmer Rouge regime, you know, the horrible regime that killed one-fourth of all the people living in Cambodia. Mm. Because they were intellectuals, but intellectuals that went to the jungle to prepare the revolution. And in the jungle, the only women they could have seen in their partisan bases were their chefs or the cleaning ladies. And that's why almost all the elite of Marouge were married to their chef. There were two exceptions. One was the chef of foreign ministry of Cambodia, Mr. Ian Ksare. And the second one was Pol Pot himself. But at the end of his life, Pol Pot, he divorced his first wife and he married his 18 years old young chef. I don't think there was a regime like that in any country in the world. So there weren't people in power who were so close with people responsible for food. But even when they took the power, their wives, they kept cooking. You write also about the trauma that all these cooks had from having worked with someone who could have killed them at any moment. And yet in some cases, the cooks had also benefited hugely from their position that they held. And some of them admired, even loved the dictators that they worked for. Could you unpack the sort of complexity of that a little for us, Whittle? Yeah, I mean, I just want to underline that I had really unique chance to talk with those people. So this is not a book, you know, made and based on internet research. With each of them, I had the chance to spend many days with. With some, I spent 10. With some, I spent 12. With, for example, the chef of Saddam, I spent 14 days. And we were talking, chatting, sometimes getting drunk together, always cooking, because I always wanted them to show me how they cook. And that's why I had a unique occasion also to hear about you know, the difficulties of working in dictators' kitchens. and. Well, the simplest answer to your question would be that each of them, at least once, was very close to death because of working for a dictator. So, of course, they were paid very well. Each of them lived in a golden cage. Like, for example, the chef of Pol Pot, just because of her position, her husband became an ambassador of Khmer Rouge, so very high position, ambassador of Khmer Rouge in China. And they were like the elite. And each of them, at the same time, every time there is somebody trying to kill a dictator. And the shops, they are in the, the, you know, the first circle of people that might get killed together with their uh, dictators. And I suppose the conversations that you were able to have with these chefs raises a question which you do address at the end of the book, Vitold, as well, which is how reliable are the stories 
of the chefs that you spoke to. They had a unique perspective, but politics obviously wasn't their main profession. And sometimes the rumours around the palace may not always reflect the reality. What's your sense of the cooks that you spoke to from a journalistic perspective in terms of the reliability of what they told you? I really, I spent a lot of time to the fact checking for the book. And I spoke to many bizarre people, like, you know, personal doctor of Saddam Hussein, personal doctor of Enver Hoxha, dictator of Albania, many family members of the dictators, just to confirm some little things that the chefs had told me. And 95% actually of what the chefs told me was correct. So my theory, but I think it's very true, that there is only two people a dictator cannot lie to. Because dictatorship is mainly about lying. They, they keep lying. Firstly, to get power, then to keep the power. They lie to their people, to their wives, to their ministers, to, to all, the, all the people they meet. And there is only two people a dictator cannot lie to, and the first is his personal doctor. Because even if the dictator lies, the, the doctor will see the test. So you cannot lie to your doctor. And the second is your private chef, your personal chef. Because if you cook for someone for 20, 30, 50, that's the case of Fidel Castro's chef. If you cook for someone for that long, you cannot lie to that person. You cannot say that you like something or dislike something. No, for that long. For example, you have Pol Pot, a horrible dictator that made a huge and horrible revolution in the name of nationalism. But when you speak to his chef, you understand that he didn't even like the kitchen of his own country, you know, that he was such a hypocrite, that he was asking people to be nationalists and to rebuild the old Khmer empire, while himself, he didn't even like the Khmer kitchen. He was always asking either for Thai or for Chinese or for French baguettes. When talking with chefs, you find these little details. few times I had a feeling that I caught them and I was like, okay, this is not the official picture, but this, this is the true you. It really is a marvellous, fascinating read. Thank you. Thank you. Vitold Zhavorsky, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. I have one final and probably unfair question for you, Vitold. Extraordinary people feature throughout the book, as do extraordinary meals. But is there one meal that really stands out to you? Do you have a favourite meal from your cook's tour of Dictator's Cooks? Actually, it's a great opportunity to mention my newest book. <laughs> and maybe some publishers will get interested because I wrote a book about kitchen in Russia, about how Russia is using kitchen and chefs to build its empire. And in that book, I had a great and amazing opportunity to talk with Mr. Biewayev, who had been the director of all the Kremlin's kitchens for over 20 years. Wow. So he began with Brezhnev, then Gorbachev, Yeltsin, and he ended up uh, when Putin came to power. And he gave me many amazing recipes. But my favorite recipe from all the books is from Mr. Belay. And this is a fish in champagne sauce. So that was the favorite dish of Mikhail Gorbachev. It's, it's marvelous. It's so easy to do. All you need is a fish, a champagne, and a few other ingredients. But you do that in 20 minutes, and you really have this feeling that you eat like the, the, the chef 
of the Communist Party of Soviet Union. Well, that is a very enticing prospect for another book by Vitold Shaborsky on the menu. Uh, How to Feed a Dictator is the book we've been discussing. Thank you very much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you, Julian. It was a great pleasure and, and warmest regards from Warsaw. That was Vitold Shaborsky. Also, we heard of an upcoming book about the Kremlin kitchens. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.